Each spring, Pensacola Christian College hosts the Enrichment Retreat designed for pastors, ministry leaders, and church staff to enjoy a time of rest and to be refreshed by the Word of God. Today's message was from a past Enrichment Retreat keynote speaker. Visit enrichmentretreat.com for details or to learn more about the upcoming retreat. We'll be in Matthew 26. I'll just get right to that uh, this evening. In the very familiar passage about uh, the time when the Lord was just about to face the cross. He's with His disciples here for the final time. And He's sharing some insight with them. It's not just a story about the events that are taking place, but I believe the Lord is leaving a final lesson. And and so, the lesson I I want to share is this. This week we have been encouraged to cast our cares upon the Lord. We have certainly been encouraged to seek Him, and we should, and we, we understand the great role that grace can play in our lives. But, you know, God's grace is also an enabling power. Uh, it's more than a gift. It's something that can enable us, and enable us in the area of discipline. And there's times where discipline can play an important and vital role in us navigating and directing the course of our lives and its outcomes. And so that's really the principle I want to talk to you. If I was in Thailand, I would call this the difference between training for something and trying to do something. Because there, there is a difference. In Matthew 26, verse number 30, the Bible says this, And when they had sung in hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered, he was often the first to speak, and the spokesman. Peter answered and said to him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. And I I believe that Peter meant that sincerely. But Jesus said to him, Verily I say unto thee that this night before the cock crow thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said to him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. And likewise, now notice, also said all the disciples. Well, then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, who had been James and John, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here. Now, here's some specific instruction, and watch with me. Watching is the spiritual discipline of depriving one of sleep for a spiritual purpose or benefit. And so, instead of sleeping, I'm going to pray. Instead of sleeping, I'm going to give myself to spiritual purposes. And the Lord's asking, men, I want you to give some time that you normally sleep to uh, pray for me, to pray with me about the coming events. And so, that's what He asked them to do. And and so, verse 39, He says, And He went a little further and fell on His face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible that this cup pass from me, nevertheless not as I will, but as Thou wilt. And he came to the disciples, and he findeth them asleep. Now, this is not watching, by the way. This is something that's the opposite of watching. And he saith unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Now, here's the principle, the verse from which I want to lift the principle, and I might use this phrase, application. He says, watch and pray. There are two spiritual disciplines I want you to engage in, Peter. Watch and pray. Why? That you enter not in temptation. And, and here's the thought. The spirit indeed is willing. 
The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. There's a truth about many of us here tonight. We're born again. We love the Lord Jesus Christ. We're on our way to heaven. And I believe this. With all of our hearts, we want to do what's right. We want to serve the Lord. We want to make a difference. We want to live for Him. We, we want to be holy. We, we, we want to do what the Lord wants to do. And yet, we are encumbered by something called the flesh. And we battle that old man. And while the want to is in here, that man is weak. And often that man is not just in need of transformation, he's in need of discipline. We want to do things, but our flesh, our habits are weak. And so he says, you know, we need to work on this. 42, he went on his way again the second time and prayed, saying, O oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went his way, or went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to the disciples, and he saith to them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Um, for the most part of my life, I've, I've enjoyed doing athletic things. Uh, for a number of years before I was in the ministry, I was a, an educator, and I coached football, track, and wrestling. And um, I, I love doing things as athletic. I've never really enjoyed to run. I don't know if it's because I'm short or my legs are bow-legged, don't look, I don't know. I just, I've never really enjoyed running. But l- let me, let me uh, ask you to consider something about running tonight. Everybody know what a marathon is? And a marathon is a distance that should be driven and not run. Um, it's a long way. And so, um, but there are people who do this. I don't know why they do it, but people do that. And they run marathons, over 20 miles uh, they, they run. So let me say, okay, so next year here at the Camp of the Pines, you know, we're going to come back and do retreat again, and we're going to run a marathon together. And that's going to be part of the activities. We're all, we're all going to run. And so let's say what I expect to happen is nobody would take me up on that offer. Like, we're going to pass on that. But let's just suppose tonight that Pastor Redlin and Dr. Rushing said, well, we'll do that with you, Brother Troy. We'll, we'll, we'll run that marathon. And I said, that's great. And so, you know, they're, they're looking forward to, to that, and, and next year we're going to run this thing together. And so we leave this place, and so tomorrow they wake up thinking, well, you know, we, we kind of committed to run this marathon, and so we need to get ready. We need to get ready. And so both men go out in and, and the, their respective neighborhoods, and, and they do what they're supposed to do. They get and they start running, only to find that it's very hard. And they run, and all of a sudden they assume this very spiritual posture that looks like this. And they're breathing heavy, and... <laughs> You know, and, and, and this is not so much fun. And so they, they go home and, and then they're sore, you know. And then so they get the next day and, and they try it again. And again, it's difficult. And so, you know, at that point, these are both intelligent men, they, they, but they take on a couple of different tactics. So, you know, what Pastor Redland does, he, he's a smart guy, is he goes out and thinks, well, you know what I need is I need better shoes. And so he buys him some really high, you know, high dollar, you know, uh, uh, Nike shoes, whatever, and he, he gets some really nice shoes, and he, he gets these really cool running pants, they're aerodynamic, and he gets a running shirt, and you know, for all his hair, he gets something to kind of streamline the hair back, and, and he gets these cool running glasses, and I mean, he gets some books on running, he studies how to run, and, and, and to stride, and you know, to do this stuff, and to, he reads all this stuff, but there's one thing that the man, sorry, doesn't do, is he really doesn't run much. He knows a lot about running, but he doesn't run. Well, Dr. Rushing, being the disciplined man that he is, he goes out and he runs. And, uh, and it's hard, but he keeps running, and he runs, and he runs. And, 
you know, first he's run a mile, that's why he's run two, and then he works his way up to five, and then 10, and then, hey, 15, never run 15 miles before, and he makes his way to 20, and he's, he's getting there. The man's running. So we advanced one full year, and, and now here we are, we're here again, we're at the race of the Camp of the Pines, you know, and we're all at the starting line there, and the gun's going up, and just before it fires, I want to ask you a question. Who is, who is going to be able to finish the race? But before you answer, I want you to think about this with me. Um, both men want to finish the race. Both men will be incredibly sincere about wanting to run the race. It won't be a matter of want to. It will be a matter of ability. And the difference in ability is not going to come from the heart of sincerity. The difference in ability is going to come from the training that the men employed. And while Brother Pastor Redler may want to finish, there will not be the background or the history that will enable him maybe to do what his heart wants him to do. Training. Training is the equivalent of maybe what we call discipline. Um, I'll give you some thoughts about that in a moment. But discipline is that which allows us to do that which we could not otherwise do without its employment. I, I want to suggest this. If you and I are to reach perhaps our best, our potential uh, in the Christian life, we probably can't do that without at least some discipline in our lives. Um, will that involve praying or Bible reading or daily habits? I, I believe that God intends for us through His grace to be empowered to be disciplined people so we can do that which we could not otherwise do without the employment of discipline. Let me, let me illustrate that a couple of ways. Um, something I've really enjoyed this week, as I always do, at, at Pensacola is the music. It is absolutely beautiful. And we've had a number of pianists sit at the piano and play. Now, I, I could walk around that corner, and I, I, I could sit there, and I could try, and I could try, and I could try to play, but it would be nothing that you would ever enjoy or appreciate. But the ladies and some of the men who play that piano, see, the difference is that they have sat there for hours upon hours upon hours, and they have practiced, we call that discipline, they have trained to do something that they otherwise could not do because of the employment of the discipline, and now they're a blessing to us, and, and it's a help, isn't it? But you can't play the piano by trying. You have to train. So years ago, um, I was in high school. Um, <laughs> there was this young lady that I was, whose attention I wanted. And uh, I was a normal teenage boy, and she was pretty, and I, I wanted to pay attention to me. And so I, 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 I was around her, and I, I tried to, you know, get in her proximity. And so one day she surprised me, and she walked up to me. And she not only walked up to me, but she grabbed, this is embedded in my memory, she grabbed what was called or should have been my right bicep. And she put both arms there, and she looks at me, and we talk for a minute. She goes, and as she squeezed my right bicep, she said, Troy, you have weenie arms. <laughs> oh, man. The humbling started early. <laughs> Weenie arms. And I looked at him, I thought, well, she's right, I do, you know. And she was right. Well, you know, I wanted to correct that anatomical dysfunction in my, my life. And so I, I went to the gym uh, sometime the next week because I still wanted her attention. And so I, I go to the gym, and there's a barbell there, you know, and it's got a couple of 45 pounds on each side. And so I, I walk over there and I grab that thing and I reach down there and I grab that barbell and I go, mm. 
And I'm trying, but nothing's happening. So very humbly, I scoot this 45 off, and I scoot this 45 off, and I'm lifting the bar, you know, and that's where I started. <laughs> well, that, that started something in my life. Um, and in my college years, I was involved in powerlifting. And so in time, there's that bar across there. And uh, so I, I struggled. I started there, and then I was able to put 25, 25, 35, and then I got to the 45-pound plays. And then in time, I could do you know, 245s and 345s and 445s and 545s. And, and I, I, got, I got pretty good at that in time. Could have never done that um, physical act minus the daily habits and the disciplines that came with the routines and the employment of discipline that literally allowed me to do something that I could not otherwise do without the employment of the daily discipline. Does that make sense? Sometimes trying is not enough. In the physical world, and I'm going to suggest you sometimes even in the spiritual world. Thoughtful Christians need to begin to organize our lives around practices and disciplines that will enable us to accomplish things for the Lord that we could not do and want to alone. I believe that discipline allows us to have better marriages. I believe that discipline allows us to have more obedient children, better finances, uh, greater relationships, fruit that remains, and even to be happier people. Believe it or not, smiling can be a discipline. And I believe that. You know, I've learned that most of the success and failures in our life very seldom come in what we call moments of crisis, but rather as a result of the daily habits that we engage in. These are what forms our character. I mentioned earlier, I was a coach. And there's something that I've learned about coaching, especially young men, is that champions are not made in the ring. Champions are recognized there. A football game was never won on the playing field. All football games were won on the practice field. You see, life is not a highlight reel where a few plays are important, but rather every play is important. Every decision, every discipline or lack of decision is important in our lives. Growing spiritually, becoming a godly man, a godly woman, an effective soul winner, uh, the, the best dad, husband, whatever we need to be, takes some training discipline in our lives. If I was asked this question tonight, how many of you want to live a victorious Christian life? All of our hands would go up. And we would say, how do we do that? Well, we pattern our life after the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we must ask, how did Jesus live? And if He was victorious, then it would be, it'd behoove us to live as Jesus Christ lived His life. But not only in just the, what we call the story moments, but in between the lines as well, how did Christ live? Well, if we want to live as Jesus did, now listen, then we must live every day and in every decision, in every moment to the best we can in the same way that He did. And then by doing that every day, then we can be enabled to do things that, if I say this way, that He could do in time. We must live the way He did. The question is not merely, what did Jesus do? But what did Jesus do every day is a pattern that we must follow. If we are to be like Christ, we must take into account the total, complete life of Christ. 
Now, now listen, theologically, you understand this. Jesus Christ was the one, the only unique Son of God. He is deity. And as deity, I don't know what right word to use here, so forgive me. But as deity, he thought it helpful, beneficial to discipline himself in fasting, prayer, and in watching. That's what the Lord did. And if that's what he did, how much more should we vessels of clay? The words of G.K. Chesterton, I think, speak to this. He's speaking here not of salvation, but rather sanctification. When he said, Christianity has not so much been tried and been found wanting. No one's ever come to Christ and ever found Christ lacking in any way. But he said this, Christianity has not so much been tried and been found wanting, but it has been found difficult and left untried. There, to be perfectly honest, there are some elements of the Christian life that are hard. And the Lord alluded to this all the time. I, I want to suggest to us tonight that to achieve all we want to as pastors and pastors' wives and, and, and just, just as Christians and as parents and to have the best marriage, that there is a price to be paid in the Christian life. There is a price to be paid. And, and again, the Lord alluded to this price all the time. But the sad reality for many people, and me and you at times, is that price seems too high. Well, preacher, you know, it's, it's just so hard to get up. It's just so hard to study. It's just, it's just hard to read my Bible. It's just, it's just hard to go out and take time to, to knock a door. It's just so hard. And I, and, and I say to people, to me, yes, yes, it is hard sometimes. There is a cost associated with living the Christian life. But I would have you know this before you make a decision. There is a tremendously higher price to be paid for failing to discipline yourself in life. And people pay that price all the time. They pay it in their lives, with their children, with their health, in their churches. You know, we, we must learn to delay our gratification for a greater return sometimes. I like this definition of discipline. The first one I gave you is that the, the discipline is doing that, that, that which allows us to do which we cannot otherwise. But I like this, this definition too, is discipline is choosing between what I want now and what I want most. It's between what I want now. What do I want now? I want to sleep. What do I want now? I want to be lazy. What do I want now? I want to eat more food. What do I want now? I want to do whatever. But what do I want most? What I want most is to make a difference for Christ. And what I want most is to be healthy. And what I want most is to be disciplined. And what I want most is to know my Bible. What, what, I want, what, I, what I want most is to get on my knees and for that to be felt in, in heaven. That's what I want most. And to get what you want most is going to take some delaying of our, per, of our current gratification. Right now, there's, you know, what, what do you want most? Well, sometimes it's going to conflict with what you want right now. And that's where the rub of discipline comes into play. But it is the price we have to pay. It, pay. And by the way, the more we pay it, the easier it gets. While it may be a physical impossible, impossibility to run a marathon, and the first time you try it, the more you do it, the easier it does get in time. Very quickly in our story, and I will do this quickly, three thoughts, starting with the prediction of Jesus about the disciples. The prediction of Jesus. In verses 31 and 34 of our story, if you look back there with me just very quickly, 31 and 34... Jesus here makes a prediction. You shall be offended because of me. Uh, you, you're going you're to you're run away, verse 34. Uh, before this night, you, you're going to deny me three times. The Lord makes a prediction. Jesus here predicts failure for his disciples. Now, he loved these men, he wanted them to succeed, but he knew they, that their trying in a moment of crisis would not be enough. They were about to face a challenge far greater than the marathon, and he knew they were inadequately prepared to face it. You know, as a pastor, 
I love, I, I love most things about what I get to do, but I hate predicting failure. Now, I'm not negative, I'm not a pessimist, a pessimist but sometimes people come to me, or I'm just watching the way people live their lives, and I'm thinking, that's not going to work. You, you, sir, you can't be away from home all the time chasing you know, the American dream of making more money. That's not going to work at, at, at home. You, you can't, you can't uh, keep missing church and expect your family to turn out right. I mean, I, I hate predicting failure, but sometimes it's necessary in the home, in relationship, in, in the Christian life. Sometimes it happens. You know, all too often, now this is going to date me a little bit, but all too often we are guilty of what I used to call the Michael Jordan syndrome. And I know there's other players now, LeBron and whatever else, but he, he was back in my day, where they want to look the part but not play the part. Like they want to wear the jerseys and get the sneakers but not put in the hours of practice to play like he did. What, allowed, what allows these athletes to do incredibly creative things, it, it allows the freedom that we see is that they've mastered the basics. So they're left to be free and creative with the ball. If we want to do something great for God, we have to learn to master the basics. See, Jesus predicted failure based on the life that they were not living, but they should have been. In Matthew 17, there's a fascinating story there about the disciples out on a walk, and they come across a man whose son is throwing himself in the fire. And the man knows these men have been with Christ, so he asks, he asks them, hey, you know, would you cast this devil out of my son? And here's what they do. They try. Sincerely, they try. I think with all their hearts, they wanted to do this for this man and his son. And they tried, and they tried, and tried, and they could not. And finally, the, the, this man spied the Lord Jesus coming, and he had the same request. And the, and the, and the Lord comes up, and, and, and he casts out the devil, and then there's this kind of lonely walk home. And they're all shuffling and kicking the dirt. And someone gets brave, and I said, Lord, um, why couldn't we do that? And the Lord gives a very insightful answer. He says, because this kind... This kind of problem, this kind of moment, this kind of crisis in life uh, can't be overcome except for prayer and fasting. Two spiritual disciplines that would allow them to do what they otherwise could not do without His employment. Evidently He was saying, if you guys would have prayed, if you would have fasted, if you had given yourself to seeking the Heavenly Father, if you would have been praying more, they may have had the spiritual power to do what they otherwise couldn't in that moment. And they couldn't. They tried. But their training, their discipline... Their walk with the Lord did not allow for that. Secondly, we see the promise of Peter in verses 33 and 35. Verse 33, And Peter answered and said to him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. And Peter said, Though I should die with thee, and I believe he meant this, yet will I not deny thee. You know the power to deceive ourselves runs very deep. To think ourselves something that we're not. We judge ourselves based on our intentions, not our habits. I believe that Peter was sincere. I believe he wanted to finish the race. I believe he wanted to be able to die for the Lord. He wanted to do right. I, I do think in his way he loved the Lord. But Peter was afflicted by the same disease that we all have in some degree. I call it the general human failing. Now this is who we are. We have what I call the general human failing. And it goes like this. We want to do right. We want to do good. We want to live important lives. And at the same time, we fail or avoid living the life that would make what we want a reality. So, it goes like this. I want to pay my bills. Okay, then there's a life that is required to secure that benefit that you want. 
you can't spend all of your money. You got to have enough in the bank account to pay it. Um, I want to, to a degree, I want to be healthy. Well, who doesn't? Well, okay. Well, if you want to be at your optimal level of health, then there is a life that is required to secure the benefit that you want. Is that okay? Does that make sense? In other words, a modicum of exercise, watching what we eat, would help us secure the benefit we want. Let's use a biblical thought here. Um, I want to have friends. Okay, the Bible speaks that. A man who would have friends must do what? There's a life that is to be lived to secure the benefit you want. I had a guy attend our church for some time. I don't know, they came maybe three or six months, I can't remember. And uh, he came to my office at some point. I guess he's trying to be courteous. He says, hey, Brother, I just want you to know um, we're not going to stay here. I said, okay. I said, well, that's disappointing. And I said, can you tell me a little bit you know, about it? And he goes, well, you know, we've been here three six months. We just can't connect. Just can't connect. I said, man, I, I hate to do that. You know, for the most part, I get the report that Easton's pretty friendly. We, we try. I coach that. Yeah, I just we're not making friends here. I said, okay. He starts to get up. Hey, before you get, get up, can I just can I talk to you for a second? Now he's reluctant to look at me like, okay. I said, you know, I, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, but at the same time, it, it might be hard for you to make friends when you come into church five minutes late every Sunday. And I noticed that you get up to leave during the invitation. And you, you saw him come to Sunday school. I said, let me ask you, when did you want us to be friendly to you? I'm mean like that sometimes. <laughs> I want to, you know, uh, Brother Rasmus did a great job this week of really encouraging us to be soul winners, you know? The heart for that. I want to win a soul to Christ. Well, there's a life that you have to live to secure the benefit that you want. You're going to have to knock on some doors. You're going to have to face some rejection. You're going to, you're going to stay after it, you know, over a length of time to get what you want. There's a little mantra I rehearse to our church all the time. Every product has a process. Before me is a product that's called electric. It's made of wood. Once upon a time it was a tree in the wood. Somebody cut it down. They planed it. They took it to a mill. They cut it into sections. Someone took that. They cut it some more. They refined it. It was in the hand of a craftsman. They brought it. They put it together. They assembled it. And they stained it. And you got this product. There was a process that made this product. Look here. Sometimes to achieve the benefit we want in life, we have to change our process to get a different product. It's not rocket science. It's not super hard often. It's simply recognizing that the process that, that I've involved in life isn't going to get me where I want to go in time. So here's what's really hopeful. Change your process. It, it's Galatians chapter 6. It's reaping and sowing. It, it's casting your sheaves out and seeing them re- return back to you again. It's simply doing what is required to get the product that you want. Every product has a process. Don't like the product in your marriage? Change the process. You, you don't like your kids? Change the process. What's happening in the church? Isn't what you want? Change the process to get the product that you need. I'm not talking about being ultimately pragmatic. I'm talking about following biblical principles to get where you want to go. And we need to do that. See, the truth is many of us will pass up on opportunity because very often it's stressed in overalls and looks like work. Peter promised. He was sincere. He tried. He started well. But his words were too bold for a man who couldn't pray for an hour. The spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. Finally, the performance of the disciples. Peter and the other disciples found they were ill-equipped to handle the crisis of the moment. In verses 37 through 43, it's cliche, but like tea bags, what they were on the inside came out when things got hot. 
moment of crisis came, what came out? No prayer life, no fasting, no faith. Because it wasn't in there. So it couldn't come out. That was their performance. There's a thought here that sounds heady, but I want you to think about it. It is really um, the law of sowing and reaping, maybe put in a way that we can think about it differently. It goes like this. Our systems of behavior are perfectly designed to produce the results we are getting. Now think about that. Our systems of behavior are perfectly designed to produce the results that we are getting. So, it goes like this. Um, I, I, I love my wife very much. We've been married 31 years. We are happy. We are super happy. We are people. We fuss. We fight. We have our moments. But we are genuinely, are we not happy? Okay, thank you. <laughs> I hold her hand. I put my arm around her. A lot of people comment, you two look happy. And I say, we are. Okay, so we're happy. I want to suggest to you that our systems of behavior are perfectly designed to produce the results that we're getting. We are no more compatible than any other man and wife of the world. Men and, wife, men and women are not compatible. We're different creatures. <laughs> but we are committed to a good relationship. We go on dates. We spend time together. We resolve our conflicts. We engage in lots of dialogue and conversation. We are resolved and committed to having a good one. All the time, couples come into my office and their marriages are falling apart. And they don't want to hear this. They want some magic word, some little principle. Use your magic wand. I don't have it. And here's the truth. Their systems of behavior are perfectly designed to produce the results they are getting. You know, when I say that, people often hear that with a negative tone. I would encourage you not to. That's an incredibly positive, positive and optimistic to me. Because here, here's the thing, you, you don't like your product, change your process. You know, you can change your systems of behavior to get what you do want in time. Parents, you, you struggle with your kids. Okay, that, that's all right. Lots of parents do. Kids are kids. But if, if, if you need to corral them or make them more disciplined or, 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 or grab their heart some more, then there's a system that you can engage in to, to get the results you're wanting. Maybe more time with them. Go on a long hike. Do what is required. There, there was lots of times in, in raising seven teenagers that I, I, I traveled across the country to spend a week with my daughter one time. I, I've, I've been careful my whole life to know that I am just a, a silly man and I have to apologize more often than I, than I realize I do. And I want them to know I'm sincere about my failures. I don't want them to look at me and think I'm a hypocrite. We've been very careful to make sure we cultivate the, the art of apology and forgiveness in our home. I, I, again, we have been lifelong learners about this. And there's been many times we looked at our system behaviors and say they need to be modified and changed. We very seldom live up to all of the principles in the Scripture. So as we are confronted with them in Bible preaching and at seminars, then we need to realign our processes. I hope you can look at this as a great positive tonight. I, 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 I've learned this. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 55. I'm, I'm down a little bit. And... Uh, 
I've learned that there's a couple regrets in life. One is this, the regrets are the things that I've done. And I've done some dumb things. But I'm getting old enough now to learn this, the greatest regrets in life aren't going to come from what I've done, but what I've not done. And I don't want to live one more day being any less disciplined in the important areas of life than I have to. I want to be as happy as I can be, and I want to make myself smile, because I think it's a discipline. I think joy, in part, is a discipline. I'm going to be careful that I spend time with my family. It's a discipline. I'm going to set aside time to do it, no matter what the schedule brings my way. I'm going to find my way to my knees. I'm going to find my way into the Bible. I'm going to find my way into doing those things that I need to, to secure the benefits that I want in my life. And tonight, I want to give you a hopeful thought that you, if you need to in your life, whether it be in your church, in your marriage, or kids, um, the Word of God gives us the processes we need to be involved in to get the products that we want. And if you need to make some modifications, then go home and do that this week. Rethink what you're doing and maybe how you're doing it. And get in God's Word and seek some counsel, counsel to get the product that you really want out of life. You've been listening to a message from the Pensacola Christian College Enrichment Retreat. You're welcome to pass this message along to others, but we ask that you do not charge for it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. If you're a pastor or ministry leader, join us for the next Enrichment Retreat and experience a time of physical rest and spiritual refreshment. To learn more, visit enrichmentretreat.com.